You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. All right, I got to ask, what is your recording number today? Right now I'm negative 349. It keeps getting worse. Yeah. Um, I'm just always curious. It seems like the threes, you're you're in uh, past time by three minutes generally. Yeah, and it just manifests at the end of the episode when I look and think, all right, we've got about five minutes left, and you're looking at it thinking we've got a minute left. Yeah. Um, it's a big week for us, Bracken. Um, it's birthday week. It's Bracken. It's BK or KB. It's the Corral's birthday week. I turn 40 tomorrow, Wednesday, and you turn 36? 36. On the 20th, right? Correct. How are you feeling? You know, birthdays aren't really a big thing in my life. They weren't a big thing growing up, so I don't... I'm always one of those that... It sneaks up on. Mm. I'm not against birthdays. You didn't tell me how you're feeling about it, though. I guess I haven't thought a lot about it. Thirty. I, I, we were talking yesterday because we went to Lisa's parents' house, and we were all kind of talking because a bunch of birthdays are happening. There's a lot of May and June birthdays in our two families. 21 is the last birthday that means something in terms of privilege, but somewhere between like 23 and 25 all birthdays started blending together. Mm -hmm. I very much agree with that. I think 30 probably felt like something as an athlete. Because at the time, I would call myself athlete before anything else when I was 30. Because that's kind of the age when pro athletes start to age out of their sports. But other than that, I don't think any of the birthdays really made me feel anything. Because just doing what you're always doing. Chasing the dream. What about you? I don't know. Isn't there, what's the age? What's the age to rent a car? Or it used to be like 24. Isn't that the last time you yeah. rent 20, 25? Probably. I can't think. And then and then you got to look forward to the backside with like the retirement stuff and the, all that stuff. But that's, those are milestones. But we're just in the abyss, I guess, man. Well, I think you're facing the real question, which is how do you feel approaching 40? People like to build up 40, which is ironic because we just happen to have a tens based counting system if we chose a different unit of measure if we based our our numbers on 11 or 15 then a different number would be more weighty it's very arbitrary but do you feel anything with 40 impending uh no i don't to be honest no not at all i don't really have a lot of emotional attachment to it i've never been a big birthday guy either but i will say like 30 i remember 30 was like I had a surprise party, and that felt really nice that I actually caught me by surprise. Um, and I don't normally throw birthday parties, so this weekend I'm going to have the fam. I'm going to keep it to family. We're going to have the family over and celebrate, which I don't make a deal out of my birthday ever. So the fact that people are like, what kind of cake do you want? We're going to take care of the food. All this feels like very special because I usually don't allow that. So um, so it feels like a birthday for that reason. My mom's coming in all the way from Green Bay. That's a four-and-a-half-hour drive. That's a, it's time to celebrate, Bracken. It is. Let my hair down a little bit. Oh, Feeling good. Feeling good. But, yeah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
You know what's funny is on the last episode we recorded, um, we post like the little video snippets on Instagram. And I didn't have a hat on in it. And we got one comment on our video from Josh Chase and said, Kirk with hair is weird. It's all it said. And I was like, fair, you never see my hair. And I have a full head of hair. I'm not hiding any male pattern baldness whatsoever. In fact, I think I have very fine hair. But I thought... You do. It's not weird. Bracken with hair is weird. That is a misdirected comment, Josh Chase. That's what I thought. He didn't say Kirk without a hat? I said, I can look it up. I think it was Kirk with hair is weird. Oh, I'm not not questioning. Because you without a hat, I could understand. But you with hair? You've never been without hair. I don't know. We don't need to dwell on it. But I want to ask you, before we get into this, uh, let me see. It says, oh, Kirk without a hat is weird. You're right. Okay. I can put that more. I thought it was with hair. The mind sees what the mind wants to see. Um, What is your plan? Are you doing anything to celebrate your age with fitness? That's the funny thing, Kirk. That's the only thing I think you and I paired to our birthdays is what are we going to do for a run? Yeah. That's that's the height of our celebration is what kind of big effort are we going to do on our birthday? And I have not decided. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm on the edge of my seat. Oh, every year I have a pretty clear, I have a pretty clear idea of what I'm going to do. I either run around the lake path in Lake Geneva. It's 21 and a quarter miles, and I try to do it for time and see where my fitness is every year on my birthday. Or I do something else that is jumping out at me. And I don't have anything that's jumping out at me. I was considering Everesting. I thought that'd be a pretty audacious thing, but I would probably have to do it on the treadmill. I don't think I would want to risk 26,000 feet of descending right now. Or is it 29? 29,000 feet of descending right now. So I don't know if I want to spend my birthday like eight hours on the treadmill or whatever it's going to end up being. So I don't know. I don't have a plan. I could go run around Lake Geneva, but that's not sparking joy for me right now. And Marie Kondos would tell me, you got to spark joy in your life. Yeah, take that advice. If, if I were you, I think like all of you listening have birthdays. So hopefully you can relate to this. I mean, maybe some of you don't know yours. It's very possible. But uh, I think celebrating your age with a number that coincides of something with your age. I started this at 37. I went for 37 miles on my 37th birthday, and that was exciting. And then I did something typically with age moving forward. And um, so you could do like 36 rounds of something or like it could be very simple, right? It could be yeah. You could do something of that nature, which is what I'm leaning towards. Thirty-six reps of the local ski hill. Oh, dude, that'd be sweet. There you go. Right on. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm leaning towards. I like that. I'll probably get you five thousand feet of gain. It's going to be It'll a huge be day. More, I think. I think thirty-six would get me closer to six or seven. All right. Well, that'll be enough. That's enough. I was uh, considering going forty miles. Which I've never done. I've never run 40 miles straight. Um, But we all know, like, I don't know how to go run 40 miles easy and slow. And even 40 miles easy and slow is going to accumulate damage. Like, you just can't get away from it with that sort of repetitive nature. So, um, and I don't want to take away, I want to hop into some road and trail races here the next couple of months. And so I don't want to have to sacrifice recovery for a 40 mile run. So tomorrow I will be doing 40 by 400 meters with 60 seconds rest. So that's 10, mi- 10 miles of quality work. And my goal is to do it all at or under 5K pace from my last 5K time trial. 
It's very Quentin Cassidy esque. How so? Well, in once a runner, they do that twenty by two hundred or twenty by four hundred workout, and he gets done, and he goes again. Oh, <laughs> yes, he goes <laughs> yeah, again, and then again. <laughs> and he pees blood for like three days, and then he goes out and wins an Olympic medal. Mm, I read that book once, but I don't. I, point doesn't stand out to me i should remember that um all right do we want to jump right in anything else you want to share about birthday week should we ask for our once a year week annual reviews on our podcast yeah you might as well that'll be our birthday gift if you're just above giving us shoes send send us reviews on on itunes and i do want out for birthday week shout out Corey fellows just had his 36th birthday i believe and he did 36 by 400 he's an athlete i've been working with for a bit here and he went out and did it. Got it done. Way to go, Corey. So, Kirk, you've got fine company. And I believe Ian Kasky did 40 by 400 as well, right? I don't know. I, I don't know anybody personally who's done it. Not that this idea is original, but I didn't know anybody that I had done Ian did. 40. I believe it. You have to beat whatever he did. Well, I'll do 40 by 401 meters then. Oh, I just think do it faster than he did. Okay, that'll work. Um, yeah, reviews would be great. That's our, that's our birthday wish every year. Uh, last year we talked about it like for weeks leading up and then Alex Walker left a review, a five-star review and said, I'm leaving this, but only if you never talk about birthdays again. So we're going to keep it short and sweet <laughs> where we, all we want is a review for our birthday on iTunes or Spotify. Our secret goal with our reviews guys is to get up over a thousand. And right now we're at like 560, So we have a ways to go. And that starts with you just like pausing really quick and leaving a rating and a review or just even a rating i guess but um that's where it starts you get above a thousand and you start getting shuffled to the top of the deck when people look for podcasts and so i'm really hoping for that we don't talk numbers very often despite being runners who live and die by numbers but we generally don't see less than two thousand views or uh downloads on an episode which means that a quarter of our faithful listeners or less than a quarter of our faithful listeners have a review and that's okay. We don't demand anything, but you wanted to make us happy and ensure this podcast survival, get us up over a thousand. That's only 50% of our like most loyal diehard faithful listeners. Yeah. That's bottom of the barrel listeners. Like on our, like if for some reason it's an off week, that's the ones who still listen no matter what I would say. Like when you left the country and I talked about shoes or my favorite workouts, that's the number of listeners that still listen. <laughs> I'll have to go look at those numbers. Um, folks, we're starting a mini-series here. We're gonna, you're going to notice a theme. We're actually going to bring a little more structure to you guys moving forward with our training Tuesdays. Um, and we're going to kick off a number of mini-series about topics that uh, deserve to be split up into segments and kind of dissect it a little more in digestible pieces. And so our first mini series kicks off today. And that mini series is uh, we are going to split down and give our thoughts on seven day, a 10 day and a 14 day training cycle. Today, we're going to be focusing on a seven day training cycle benefits, downfalls, how we look at it. Um, Just a quick hit on the cycles. So this week will be seven, next will be 10 and the following will be 14. So today we're kicking that off, Brackenstein. Yeah. These are the three most common styles of training. And how do you pair it to your life? 
If you don't really understand them, eh, you probably trial and error. So we're just going to eliminate the trial and error for you. We're going to give you all the information on what a seven-week training cycle looks like. And then next week, that 10-day basically rolling schedule. And then a 14-day cycle. So by the end of this, maybe you will be rethinking what your training plan looks like. Not necessarily what it consists of, but what the spacing is between workouts and how it's laid out. That's it. Yeah, and we're starting with the most common, the seven-day training cycle, which I'm going to assume, what do you think, Bracken? 90% of our listeners are accustomed to, I would guess. Yeah, at least, if not more. At least. So this is going to be like most of your comfort zone uh, as far as listeners go. And you can probably relate to this one the most, but I'm hoping maybe the 10 and the 14 that are coming challenge your thought process. But we'll outline like, you know, first of all, let's just start from the top, actually, with the seven-day cycle. Who do you think is the best candidate for the seven-day training cycle over entertaining a different, different, a longer training cycle? I believe only one type of person should be following a seven-day cycle. I think two. Truly. I have two. Okay. And that is the type of person who works and lives a regimented life. And their weekends are weekends and their weekdays are weekdays and they do not blend together. And it is the simplest and easiest and least stressful to have things programmed in very precisely that match up with those beautiful little calendar weeks and nothing gets out and sticks out and becomes a stick in the spokes. Now, that's most people. So that's why most people use this. But I believe that it only makes sense physiologically if it makes sense psychologically. And it only makes sense psychologically if your schedule is very strict. Well, and most, if you are thinking like yourself, let's say you had a job where you weren't self-employed and you have three kids and you have a home to keep and a job to keep down. Yeah, it makes the most sense why most of you are on it um, because you have to be regimented to get it all done with your life, right? So it's not like, oh, if you're OCD, the seven-day schedule is for you. It's more like, no, like this is your option because time is of a premium during the week. And so um, you need your weekends every weekend to hit hard. You have one day available for the long run. That takes up a day. You have one day available. You can get to the gym or the track or the trails. That takes up a day. And the rest just falls into place. When you have limitations on what you can and can't do, that's what this is for. And that is most people. Heck, it's the training plan right now I'm currently choosing. I will probably pivot from this style come fall, winter, but you know I don't need to be regimented, neither do you. And I'm following the seven-day um, because it's nice. It's seamless. Every Our minds work like the week starts on Monday or Sunday and ends on Sunday or Saturday, depending on how you look at it. And so I get it. The, the one addition I want to add to your like regimented, you know, nine to five type person is I think the seven day training cycle can make a lot of sense if you are very focused on one type of racing. I don't know if you necessarily need to or could benefit from extending your training cycle out to 10 or 14 days. Let's say you are a road runner and you are racing the roads exclusively. Let's say you're, you know, focused on the marathon, might do some shorter stuff or whatever. Because there aren't a lot of skills involved outside of the main skill at hand, which is running on the roads and racing on the roads, you're not pressured to cram a bunch of different stimulus in. So a seven-day cycle can be very reasonable and not very stressful. 
Um, same goes if you're a mountain trail runner and that's all you do, right? Well, you're probably going to be hitting the mountains most days of the week and you get what I'm saying. And so I think if you're not diversifying your racing very much, I think you can absolutely get away with 100% effectivity with a seven day cycle. Um, and I would guess that most listeners fall into both camps. They're fairly focused on what they're racing and they work a nine to five. So it's like a no brainer. Yeah. Now, as you spoke, it made me realize that there is one other thing I wasn't prepared to speak on today, but I should have, which is the type of recoverability you have as an athlete. Seven day is great for people who either don't recover well or recover exceptionally well. I agree. And we'll get into the real breakdown of this. But if you don't recover very well, you just become a candidate for two quality workouts a week, seven day cycle. You're getting three days in between one of them and two days in between the next, and you don't have to cloud it with cramming more, and you're just doing two. But if you recover exceptionally well, you can fit three in in a week, and you're only getting a day between two of them, and then you get two days between another one. So I guess that is another consideration to have in there. Traditionally, most people try to fit too much into a seven-day, and that's why I think that it's not appropriate for them. But going down, which I think you and I are both doing that, two quality day per week, fits really nice into a non-stressful seven-day cycle, and it leaves some room in there for some skill work or a flex day. Mm-hmm. Did I jump ahead of ourselves here? No, because I was I was going to lead to the point as which, especially as you age, as I've been learning, and if you are injury-prone or just longevity in the sport, you'll hear us a lot on our Friday episode coming up talking about sustainability, um, which hasn't been released yet, but... Um, but on the recovery front, like if I'm running a 10-day cycle, guess what? I'm going to recover every 10th day. I mean, take a true rest day. If I'm running an actual 14-day cycle, I may only get one rest day every 14 days. That's what, I, that's what I'm going into these looking at. I think a rest day each week should be mandatory. I think you perform better off one day of rest or very light recovery versus pushing through constantly. But I've shoved resting down our listeners' throats already, so I won't go down that path. But I think the seven-day cycle allows for that true rest day, family life balance day, um, which I think is vitally important to longevity. And so on the recovery front, I think the two workouts a week that matter plus one full day off of training, in quotes, I think is just a nice sustainable um, cycle. Simple as that. I think so too. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at the classic, classic running cycle, it's really one of two things, but the most, I think the predominantly used cycle is something along the lines of intervals Tuesday, tempo Thursday, long run Saturday. The other version is like short intervals Monday, long intervals Wednesday, tempo Saturday, long run Sunday. But either one of those two crams a lot into a seven-day cycle. It's what most colleges use, some version of that. You have a lot of people doing their easy long run the day after a pretty grindy workout, and you're hitting two forms of intervals throughout the week and or a tempo run. And for most nine-to-fivers, non-professional runners, I don't think it's appropriate but I still believe seven days is most appropriate if you can just remove one of those pieces out and maybe alternate weeks with things. So those are the classics, and it's really, really imposing to read a lot of the books on running and see that script laid out and think, oh, maybe this sport's not for me, or maybe seven days isn't for me. 
And I would argue seven days might still be for you, and the sport most definitely is. But maybe just not that density. Well, let's actually get into the weeds then, man. That's what I was hoping to do today, and that is... Why don't you lay out, I mean, everybody is different. There's going to be caveats and exceptions. This is just our opinions. But I have two formats that I think are the best seven-day schedules, and they all end with Sunday as a rest day. So I'll just, surprise, Sunday's a rest day. Um, Or Monday, depending if that makes more sense for your work and life and all that. That's fine, too. But um, I think we should each outline what we believe is the best seven-day cycle option. Do you want to start with one? You want me to start with one? What do you think? Well, I'm going to start by saying something that's not going to surprise anybody. Okay. I actually think there are two. <laughs> I can't choose just one because I can never choose just one anything. I said there were two as well. Oh, good. So I said the same thing. Yeah, I got two. Okay. So I don't think there's one best. I think there are two. I agree. I wonder if how much will align. Considering we have a coaching platform together, I'll be very curious if ours are the same or not. Yes. All right, I'm going to start with the one that I'm not currently doing, but I've probably prescribed more than anything else on this planet, and I know it's going to align with one of yours. I can walk you through it, but go ahead. And it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, run the week. Mm -hmm. What do we do on Tuesday, Kirk? We do a quality session, Bracken. And what do we do on Thursday? We do a midweek long run, Bracken. And what do we do on Saturday? We do a long run or a quality long run, Bracken. That's right. So the first one that I think is very appropriate for most people is you have Tuesday and Thursday, I mean, sorry, Tuesday and Saturday, where you're getting after something very quality. Wednesday is recovering from that in whatever way is most appropriate for you. Monday is preparing for that in whichever day is most appropriate for you. Friday is preparing for Saturday. Sunday is purely recovery, which leads Thursday that flex day. And I generally alternate between midweek long run and some sort of midweek long skill effort. Sometimes it's hill-based, sometimes it's flat, it doesn't matter. But it's a flex day. It's purely aerobic if you're feeling beat up or run down. And you can finish faster if you're feeling good. It's kind of this half-hybrid day where it's not a long run, but it's not short. It's not a quality day, but it's not necessarily easy if you're feeling good. But you have two pillars of the week in this third day that can morph from easy to slightly more quality if you need a little bit more quality. And that's probably what I was doing when I first started working with you. And it's probably what I've done the most often in my life. And it's very effective. And that's why. Um, Very. So that's one of my two as well. Um, Look at your Tuesday and Saturdays. Somewhere between a 7 and a 9 overall effort, let's call it, generally. Let's say your midweek long run is roughly a five on the RPE scale. This is the RPE scale out of 10. And then actually seven or eight for Tuesday and Saturday. Let me not blow us out too much. Wednesday, Thursday is a five-ish, and then everything else is three or below as far as recovery efforts on the RP. We're going very easy outside of that. Midweek long run is sort of where you get that gray zone running and it's like kind of okay, right? Like you can go with how you're feeling that day. If you get a little gray zone yeah. running, no big deal. And then, but the highlights are always, yep, Tuesday and Saturday. Um, I could not agree more. And a lot of times, both Tuesday and Saturday do include quality threshold type work. Like you may have a two hour effort on Saturday for your long run, but there might be 45 minutes of in and out of threshold work within that. Not always, but sometimes cut down type run, progression long run, that sort of thing. And often I alternate. 
one Saturday is going to be a long interval or long threshold day, and the next one's a standard long run or long hill workout. And this is going to sound very familiar to people on Training Peaks with us because that is the Running Public Training Peaks formula. We're not varying too much from that because it works and it is sustainable. And I also want to just, for a point of clarification, these days of the week that we're saying don't matter. We don't care if it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. We don't care if it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We care about the amount of time in between. It's 48 hours between any effort of note. That's the spread. It could be Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. We don't care. So when as you're writing it down, you can just write it down, label it one through seven. There are two bolded days that matter, and there's one on my schedules that's bolded and italicized. For it matters, but you're not quite going as hard. Those are the fonts I use on my plans. That's how it works. Cute. Very. Mine, asterisks, keep the effort moderate slash in check, asterisks. That's the Thursday midweek long run, yep. Not as cute. Maybe I'll italicize it, see if that gets a little more attention. Spices the life up a little bit. Well, let's talk about the other one then. The other one that I have in mind anyways is something I've been playing with a little bit recently. And I must say, Bracken, I'm enjoying it. Um... You'll see a lot of elite tier marathoners use this. Uh, Talking to Tyler German a month or two ago, it's a style he uses. You will see many people in the endurance space post-collegiately go to this format. And you see a lot of elite level runners that are, again, past college, still pursuing the game pretty hard. Almost all of them, I'm going to say more follow this plan than not. Or even the next version, which is like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if we'll get into it. But uh, this is a Tuesday, Friday, Saturday schedule. So what Bracken outlined, your highlight points are Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. On this one, it's Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. But with this one, Tuesday is a quality session and Friday is a quality session. These are both where you're putting your big boy and girl pants on and getting some real work done. And then you're always following that up with a steady, traditional long run on Saturday with no quality in it. So like we often like to do is combine the long run with quality threshold intervals. We're actually not going to do that in this one. We are just going to send you out and get your long two-hour run on feet, low grade, even recovery effort, zone two, zone three is fine. You don't really care as much because you already got two big pinnacles done or pillars of your week on Tuesday and Friday, which I've done the last two weeks now. Um, Makes your long run a little sluggish, but it's also good to run steady time on feet a little sluggish. I don't mind that. So um, I'm curious if that was the other one you were going to outline. It is not because I feel like this is an advanced version. You got to graduate up to this one. You got to have your big boy fitness ready for this one. The one you're going to say or the one I outlined? The one you outlined. It's it's an advanced version that um, I did this out in Colorado. I would finish up my easier quality session of the week with about a 70 to 90, sometimes 100-minute mountain run the next day. Rose Wetzel was doing the same thing out there at the time. I think it's that track background. You're you're used to getting done with your Saturday nasty run and grinding out 10 to 16 in the morning with the team, just getting it done. Uh, But you have to be fit to do it Mm -hmm. because you have to be able to handle running up to two hours the day after doing a spicy effort and keeping your form together the whole time. You could slog pace-wise, but you can't just thrash your body around in random movement patterns. You have to be good at it. 
It's why marathoners are great at it. And it's why it's somewhat event specific is because you're doing a lot of long running in a very depleted state. And it's also why you get so many days in between your quality sessions doing that. But I, I view it as advanced. It is risky for some people. And that's why it's not my second go-to, but it's also one I've done and I approve of. If you feel if you're feeling durable and you've proven to be durable, I think it's a very good option. It's hence why I said the elite level post collegiate runners typically use this style because it is effective. Yep. And and there is a lot of merit to doing a long run on fatigued legs. Like, hey, I'm already supposed to be running kind of slow and steady today anyways, so if I have a lot of fatigue in there, who cares, right? Like I'm just building up durability. But the key is do you have the durability to to do that? Um, in between Tuesday and Friday, Wednesday and Thursday are both recovery days. You're not, there's no room for some midweek long run or playing around too much in an ideal world. For example, let's say Tuesday is 16 by 400 meters. Then maybe you're going eight easy on Wednesday, eight easy on Thursday, instead of having a midweek long run in there of 12 miles, for example. And then you're hitting another big threshold session on Friday where you might get 10, 12 miles of total work. But then again, you're following that up with time on feet the next day of long duration. So typically on that style, Wednesday and Wednesday and Thursday are pretty are both recovery type effort runs. Yeah. And I actually did it opposite when I did this. I would do my 12 or 13 mile threshold ish session on, let's say that Tuesday. Yep. And I would do my 12 to 16 by 400 on Friday Mm -hmm. so that I was coming off of my less pounding quality day do going long the next day it was it was paired with my speed day yep where my my threshold days were really beating me down up there i was doing them up and down the mountain and i was i was taking damage so the next day i would try to keep it to 70 minutes rather than that 90 to 100 minute session but it's, it's the same kind of thing it requires restraint throughout the week or it requires really good recoverability uh because the, the good marathoners or the fast marathoners do like to turn Thursday into more of a midweek long run anyway. So it has room in there if you're a freak, a monster, but most of us shouldn't try to be early on. That's fair. What do you feel like, it's hard to objectively separate here, I know, but what do you feel like built better has built better fitness for you if you've stuck to one or the other consistently? Can you say... I can't right now. I think the first one builds long-term better for me because I stick to a routine. I don't seek to overreach. What the second one did was if I was feeling more bulletproof during it and I would take more chances with things. Mm. So I would shuffle the order sometimes and move it up closer or end up on day two feeling good or like an hour in, start feeling good and start pounding the last descent or bringing it home. And I can't say that it was the plan, but more of how I was feeling at that time in history when I was enacting that plan, that I was feeling more bulletproof and risky with things. So I don't know if that's a good answer. A sample size of one with emotion tied to it is a bad way to say which one's better. Mm. I could follow option one way longer. Yeah. More sustainable, I would say. Uh, For example, I did a quality session Tuesday, which was uphill threshold work last week. On Friday, I did a mile on off float workout, cut it short because I realized I overcooked a little on tired legs. 
Um, but then I did. I overworked a little on my two-hour long run this Saturday where my heart rate was drifting up high on some of the climbs. I was feeling myself for a little while, and I probably blurred the lines of what my long run should have done, um, which could lead to overtraining syndrome. So I agree with you. I think that I think it can develop great fitness faster, but long-term, I think option one might be more sustainable. So I agree with you. And option one is certainly more appropriate for beginners, for the novice level, and even some intermediate, because early on, easy two hours is a quality session because it requires recovery. Right. For you, you can go spend two hours on the trails and be okay with just an easy day after. You can get right back to work. For me, if I went to two hours on the trails, I would need minimum two days easy afterwards. Minimum, if not three. Right. Well, the interesting thing is, though, and this I I wanted to bring up, I guess now's the time, is my two-hour long run felt really nice until it didn't. And that last half an hour from 90 minutes to two yeah. hours felt more like my, if I were on a three-hour long run, what that last half an hour felt like mm-hmm. in a three-hour long run. Like my body started like sort of self-destructing earlier And so I waffle back and forth, like, did I just get, like, did I just sneak a three-hour long run of stimulus into two hours because I'm coupling fatigue from yesterday? So there's something to to that that I I for sure noted. Like, my body should not have been uh, receding like it did on Saturday the last half hour, but it did. And the only explanation is what I had done Friday. So you could look at, at that as a good or a bad thing, but it is what it is. Well, and this is why it's built for monsters, because if you're not a monster or not really self-restraining in your training, it's too easy to drift into back-to-back long run territory. Yeah. Or you get big work in on Friday, and then the next day you get to work again during your long run. Yep. And the mileage monsters, can they can absorb it. So it's like one of those where at least every other week, if you do this style... You've got to just force yourself to chill or cut it short. And the back-to-back long run can be very good for launching fitness or durability forward and mental toughness. It can also be very, very disruptive or destructive. And so it sounds like you kind of got into a back-to-back long run situation where maybe it wasn't long the day before, but it was so depleting energy-wise that it took you to the three-hour place 90 minutes in, which is the purpose of back-to-back long runs. Correct. It was more back-to-back what I think it turned to. More like you you got to be careful to avoid the back-to-back, I think, quality days. Like you hit quality type heart rate on Friday and then you do Correct. it again Saturday. That's more like the, the thing you got to be careful of. But let's move on. So you said, okay, so our second wasn't the same. So we have one more weekly outline to discuss. What is that? So the other one is, it's kind of cheating. It's not a full second. It's like 1.5 version of what the first one was. So if the first one was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, this one is that same um, kind of schedule, but a little bit different. So right now it's what I'm doing. I'm doing Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. So it's one more day spaced out in between the first one rather than the second one. So it would be like going instead of Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, it'd be like going Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing is I'm making the Sunday pretty big and the Monday is a speed sprinkle or some sort of skill work. There is no medium long run. It's shorter and it's quicker. So it maybe disrupts the recovery process from Sunday slightly, 
because it's 48 hours later, I may not be totally recovered from a big, big effort, but it's more skill work than anything. So I turn over, I feel good, but I don't take any real damage and then get 48 more hours and then have another pretty big threshold workout. So I'm calling it Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. So your biggest quality session is Wednesday or Saturday? Uh, Yes, they're both pretty big for me. They're pretty moderate. One's Wednesday skews more interval, Saturday skews more long or grindy, which is why I'm putting that one there because right now I can handle the engine work better than I can handle the pounding. So I'm really recovered from Wednesday by the time I get to Saturday. And so I can then take a pounding and I'm not on tired legs, but it allows me to lift on Friday and get a little bit different type of tired legs, but no pounding in the equation. So I'm going skill work, then quality, then big quality. Yeah, that makes sense. And you're not finding yourself too fatigued because you only have one day between your Saturday and your Monday. So your Monday skill, Sunday is your only day between those two days. So I'm assuming Monday is very short, like skill work. It's not going to be grindy. You're going to do, you're going to do some quick pickups in your run or do some quick, I don't know what it would be, but I assume very small total amount of time and quality. Yeah. It's, it's a true speed sprinkle. I'm taking like a glorified acceleration workout or strides or a mini, mini, mini speed workout like six by 200 rather than 10 to 20 by 200, just a little bit turnover, feel good and work on the skill of running. But I'm not trying to take damage because I don't have damage to take. Yep. Or I'll do a Metcon, uh, in the gym focused more on e- or at least equal upper body to lower body, but without taking pounding. Yeah. So it's still just two tent pole workouts, but instead of a midweek long run, I have a skill based or speed based day that it's mechanical rather than cardiac based that's why i said it's not totally different so what are you doing on so i I, the obvious assumption would be tuesday's a recovery type day where you're going easy and then what are you doing on thursday and friday easy again easy it's a lot of just easy work and it allows me to get a little more lifting in so i'm kind of just spacing my quality a little further apart and that monday speed sprinkle is essentially an easy day with a small, small, small dose of speed or skill. So I'm finding it conducive to trying to rebuild now, spacing my impact a little bit more because I found midweek long runs to be too impactful right now. I'm leaving it too beat up without, like the the, the juice of the, uh, of the fitness gain isn't worth the squeeze of <laughs> the damage I'm taking. Yeah, I've been squeezing, some of my athletes will know this, Squeezing in the uh, speed sprinkles on the midweek long run, too, just to keep attention sometimes, mm. which is another good place for it. It fits that pseudo quality, but not a lot of damage day. Um, yeah. so, something I don't think you probably expected to talk about, but I think we should touch on it really quick. Maybe give it five minutes if we're, we're capable of confining ourselves to that sort of time limit is uh, the, the strength side of things for runners on a seven-day training cycle. Should that factor in I at hope all? we would. Oh. Oh, all right. And should that factor in at all to a seven day cycle versus a 10 or a 14 day cycle? Or is it more like strength training should be on a seven day cycle no matter what? And what would that look like? For me, for the average everyday runner, this is the most confounding part of a seven day cycle is where do we fit our other things in? Right. If you're an OCR athlete, where do we fit all this other stuff in? Yeah. Strength training has to be present for multiple different reasons. 
it doesn't have to be present from a performance standpoint because you can perform well without it. We've seen world record holders who have never touched a weight, but it has to be present for an injury prevention standpoint. And then if you do want some performance benefit, it can be ben- it can be there. But either way, if we are looking at this as we're not trying to be pros, we're trying to enjoy running in life, you have to strength train so that you can keep running, just durability, sustainability-wise. So that's the one I think of the last, I'm going to say like a decade straight of coaching for my living now, roughly. Of those 10 years, the thing I've solved least well is where do you put the strength work? Mm-hmm. And maybe because it's not solvable, it's a case-by-case basis, and it evolves so rapidly. There are times where it's super appropriate to do it one way, and then it just stops being appropriate the next week. Like, you just can't hit your runs anymore and your strength training. So it's the one that I don't have a formula for yet. Well, I have one philosophy with it. Well, first of all, the philosophy is you should and need to be doing it. I don't have one athlete that's not doing strength work right now. I don't know about you. I'm yeah. not. I'm not letting them get away with that shiz. No way. I don't not believe ever. so. Nope. Even if it's little pink dumbbells in your basement, and that's what you're going to give me, I'll take that and hold you to it. Which I have a few that do yeah. that. But um, so in my world, Tuesday is sacred. Tuesday is so sacred to make sure on non-race weeks that your legs are ready to go. Saturday is less sacred because I don't care if you got some fatigue in your legs for your long run or a long threshold long run session. So for me, if you're going to lift on Mondays, upper body only, we're not touching the lower half because I want you firing on all cylinders on Tuesday. That's very important to me to not have any, but my legs are sore, oh, my glutes are, bleh. I don't want that. Tuesday, I don't want, there's, it's only objective and it's only like I'm ready to rock. Later in the week, I don't mind as much when you hit your midweek long run or your quality long run or steady long run if there's some soreness or doms or anything in there. So my heavy philosophy is upper only on Monday if you'd like, and then strength work can happen Tuesday or Wednesday and then Friday. And I like a little lower body work the day before my long runs. Um, Of course, you pull that stimulus before like a race, and that's a whole other story in itself. But Mm. as long as Tuesday is kept sacred, I don't care if your next quality session is a little compromised due to lower body fatigue from strength training. So that's the one sort of rule I have with how you decide where they go. That's it. I like it. I can't dispute that. That's probably where I start with most people. However... The direction I'll take it is that for me, strength training is the ultimate ending point for the argument of, am I a two quality day per week person or a three quality day per week person? Strength training is the ending point for that argument because you can argue two versus three. I don't recover quite as well off three, but I can get the work in and it's fine. Two, I feel like I have a little extra energy in the week and I I don't know what to do with it. Add in strength training. Now tell me which one you are. I'm a two per week person. Good. Now that we've settled that, now strength training becomes really easy. If I'm just going Wednesday, Saturday hard or Tuesday, Saturday hard, now you have flexibility. There's so many days available for it. It's part of why I like my Monday, Wednesday, Saturday right now, because coming off of my big Saturday work, I can lift upper body Sunday, lower body Monday, do some easy running, speed work, and then also still have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday available to do other things if I want it. If I want to keep Tuesday pure, that's fine. I did legs Monday. 
and then I can move on and then do some more legs before my Saturday workout. I do that on Friday. But as soon as you move down and just accept, I do two quality 10 post workouts per week. Lifting fits in very nicely. Yeah, It's trying to fit it around three where you have to make bad decisions. That's fair. I don't know if there is a right answer. I think it's the most subjective piece of the seven-week cycle. I, I firmly just believe no matter where it is, it could be your Saturday workout. I just think you need one where there isn't actual muscle damage in impacting your aerobic system's capability, right? Like, like you can be your energy can be good. Your heart and lungs and VO2 max and buff lactate buffering can be the best it's ever been. But if you're so sore, you have a hard time putting your socks on, you're never going to access your potential for that day or that workout. You know, when you can be so sore, like you can't even really get in the threshold because it's like, my legs are just so screwed right now. I can't, they're so fatigued. I can't get to where I need to get. And so I don't care what day it is. I just think we need to have one unimpeded day where the doms is gone. If there is any, and, and so I guess you could maneuver that wherever you want, like you're saying really in a sense, but um, yeah, I don't know how much more we need to spend on it. Do you have any other thoughts? The The only thought is that the argument to it is just put it on the same day as your quality because that's what high school and college coaches have done for decades. That's their solving of this problem. We're running hard three days per week plus a long run. We're not lifting before a quality session. No way. We're not coming in tired. We're not doing it afterwards because you got another quality the next day. So you can't do that. So they do it on the same day afterwards. That's what we did at Campbell. That's what we did at Whitewater. You got done with your big, nasty interval session. You went into the field house. You drank your recovery. And then you stumbled into the weight room and you went through your lifts. And you know what? The reps sucked. How are you going to power clean well after having done 30 by 400? You're just not going to catch it well. You're not going to come off the ground hard and propulsive with explosion. You're not going to catch in a deep, good front squat, front rack position really low. You're not going to explode on dead. You're not going to be able to do that because you're afraid of hurting yourself. And if you can't work hard against the weight, you're not getting the real benefit of strength training. So I used to just say, yeah, this is what we did. It's doable. You can lift on the same day and you can but I don't know why you'd want to anymore. You have the freedom to not do it, so don't. That's my. That's where I've come to. Now, people can argue me against that, and I will listen to it. But as now, what? Kirk, what did I graduate? 20, 2009, 2010? 2009. Back in 2009, did you? Two, 2000? 2010. So I'm 15, not 15, 13 years post-grad here. I've been trying many different things. I can say that the worst lifting I've ever done in terms of being good for me as a runner and a healthful person was in college. 13 years since, I've not been able to replicate a worse form of exercising for myself. So I'm just firmly against it now. Yep. Um, I, I personally hate lifting after a quality session, even if it's a morning quality run and an evening lift session. Um, I've done it twice here in the past month and a half, and both times my lift sessions were absolute crap. I was low on numbers. I wasn't into it. My systemic energy was kind of low, and I just felt creaky. I didn't hit numbers I was typically hitting prior. just wanted it to be over. Now, if you don't care about strength gains, and it's just like checking a box for you, fine. Go through the motions with weight you know you're capable of, fine. Um, 
a lot of the hybrid athletes listening, OCR athletes, and even endurance athletes like want to be stronger. I think it's, I think being stronger is a check mark in the positives column. So for me, if I'm, especially if I'm in like a true trying to build strength phase, I have a real hard time with that. But again, if you want to go at 80% or 70% of your max and go rep things out for 10, 12 reps without having to really overload the nervous system, totally fine. And I have an athlete, two athletes right now who are doing this and they seem to like it. So I just know for me, I just don't have much to give to that session. And if I care about my strength, it doesn't make sense to put it on that day. I like to put it the day after. I have a little more gusto for it. The only time I do it is when I do the easy strength sessions. Literally 50 to 60% of max for reps of five where you're just going through the motion. It's as much about like weighted yoga and mobility as it is about putting out strength. And then I, and then I add in an upper body actual like sellout set or two. I can lift upper body after a session. That's okay. But my legs, they're basically going through the motion. And so you just have to commit to that. You're not going to get better by lifting afterwards, but you can become healthier but then you can't commit to weight. You just can't. Yeah. Um, I even noticed my upper body gets affected uh, for an afternoon strength session. Like I think systemically, if I really go to the well in a morning quality run session, even upper body, I'm just like just lagging behind. You know, I'm not redosing caffeine or anything to try to go smash the workout because I already did that earlier in the day. So I come in kind of sluggish and I leave feeling about the same. But not everybody's that the, the way we are, Bracken. That makes sense. Um, do you have a bit of a delay on your end? Am I like a couple of seconds behind my lips and mouth? I think I'm a couple seconds ahead. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> okay. I have to beat you at something, Kirk. Well, you got it. You're ahead of me in time today. What? Anything else we want to add to the seven-day cycle? Anything? We're hoping to make these short and digestible. So um, anything else? Yeah. So the downfall of the seven-day cycle, especially doing what we recommend for most people, at least starting out, is to go down to two bigger efforts per week. And one of them is your quality long run or just a regular long run. We're still calling that a bigger effort. Is that you only have two opportunities to get everything in. And so as a seven-day per week athlete, you have to be really good at balancing the equation with opposite weeks. So if you want to get three workouts in per week, but you're only capable of doing two, one of them needs to happen the next week. And you run into this, all right, I want to do this one this Tuesday and the next one next Tuesday, but then I go 14 days in between dosing that first stimulus to the second. So you have to get creative about how you implement things so that they complement each other well without going too long in between effective doses. That's where the tinkering becomes fun for some people or maddening for others. Yeah, that is a very good point. It's also why we are going to take the time in future weeks to talk about a 10-day, when and why it makes sense, and even a 14-day, which is crazy to think, of where and why it makes sense, which we'll get to. But if we're focusing on the 7-day, I'm trying to think if we're leaving anything on the table. I'm sure we are. I don't think so. I think this is a good starting point, unless you did want to talk about how to balance out getting all your work done in 7-day weeks. You mean for the athlete who uh, likes to do many things for that athlete? Yep. Yeah. How do you get uphill, downhill, threshold work, speed work, and a long run in in two quality workouts per week? And how do you do it in the course of two weeks without letting one slide? 
that's the maybe that's an entire episode on its own. Could be. I mean, it could be. And then not to overcomplicate things, but then you basically are doing back-to-back seven-day cycles, which you could call a 14-day cycle to make sure everything gets in, like quality uphill one week, quality flat the next quality, you know, but that's still a seven-day cycle in my opinion. So um, I don't know. I always, we don't need to go too far into it because I want to keep this episode reasonably long or short today, but um, what is the first thing you have, Bracken? It's Thursday is your flex day. Thursday is the day of play flex day thursday the midweek long run day is the one where you can pivot to any extra skill work that you need that you feel like isn't getting hit often enough even if it's done at a moderate effort whether that's hybrid ocr carries compromise grip obstacle work um thursday i don't know where do you put people right away like if you're going to give them the quickest most effective answer that's it and then you have to just trust and remember what we say is that engine work is engine work if you Decide to one week do uphill and the next week do flat. You're not spending 14 days between both things. You're spending 14 days between a certain foot strike, but every seven you're hitting the engine work. Your body knows that and it will be just fine. Yeah, it's hard to trust that when you are a pure runner and you come into like a mixed modality sport because I struggle with that a lot when I found OCR in 2016 because suddenly your running is slower because they're compromised interval sessions. And you're like, well, I could run these at five minute pace. And now I'm running them at five 30. How can this possibly help me run faster? But then you run faster and then you start to trust, but you just have to trust that is systemic systems work regardless. Exactly. It. Next week, 10 day cycle. Yeah, buddy. Which is actually a nine day cycle classically, but we give you a full off day, which makes it 10. We're real givers here. We are. Hey, I was curious actually about this. You'll have to uh, you'll have to fill the audience in on this. When we, this is just a side tangent about the off day, but your buddy Tim Lambiris went from like a run streaker of how many years, and he decided that it was done with, and now he takes rest days. I'd be, and he mentioned this, and there's we interviewed him what six months back, eight months back, something like that. I'd be curious what the update is on on how his performance and body is feeling. Have you have you gotten yeah. one? Uh, well, he's been de- dealing with some uh, plantar fash, and I think it was part of what led to taking some rest days. But he just this weekend messaged me, and yeah, he does some wear testing for Nike, and he's been testing a shoe for them, and he put like a hundred miles into this shoe, and he said, "I've noticed when I don't wear that shoe, I feel better." So he stopped wearing it and he's had some relief. So hopefully it's a, it's a drop thing that's causing it in a type of foot plant. But yeah, so he's been dealing with that. Mm. I was just curious. It just crossed my mind speaking of off days and no days off yeah. and respect the grind and HWPO and all that crap. Well, rest pays off too. Rest pays off. RPO. Anyways, I'll have to ask Tim. RPO. Run pass option. <laughs> No, that's not what I'm referring to. It's all the rage in the NFL, Kirk. All the rage. <laughs> uh-huh. Happy birthday, Bracken. Happy birthday, Kirk. Oh, start. You're the fastest 40-year-old I know. You said you got me a birthday gift. Yes. Yes, and I'm excited about it. See, you guys, this is what Bracken does to me. So two years ago, we've never gotten each other anything throughout the years. Nothing. Just some I love yous and man hugs when we see each other in person and maybe a back rub or two, but nothing beyond that, right? Nope. And then suddenly... Last Christmas, I get a running warehouse gift card for 
whatever, way too much, way too nice so I could buy my first pair of super shoes. But we hadn't had this arrangement, so I didn't get him anything for Christmas. And you can't get a guy something for Christmas after they've already given you something. Then it just seems like I'm playing cleanup. So fast forward to the next Christmas. I'm fully expecting a gift from Bracken, so guess what I do? I get Bracken a gift for Christmas, basically return the favor, go buy yourself a nice pair of shoes. He gets me nothing. So I'm like, all right, well, we're even, so I'm fine with that. But the consistency here is unacceptable. And then for the birthday this year, he suddenly button hooks me and tells me that he's gotten me a gift, which he never has before, and I have nothing for him. And now if I get you something, again, it's the same situation. Why do you do this to me, man? When you list it all out like that, I sound like a sociopath. (laughs) There's truly not that level of intent that's happening. I was sitting there doing my Christmas list one year, and I realized – I'm thankful for Kirk. He needs to know that. And then the next year, I don't know. Maybe you just didn't have that great of a year. I don't know. Maybe I'll send it a message. (laughs) And then this year, I was looking at some things and I realized Kirk needs this. That's it. It was just in the moment you were on my mind. And so that's what it is. There's not a deeper level to this. It's like the seafood diet. You see it and you eat it. That's how my oh, yeah. gift giving also, off, often is. I see something, I think this person needs that. But I don't set like a reminder. This is the year to buy Kirk. Next year you shun him. That's not, that's <laughs> not how it goes. It's okay. I'm not emotionally hanging on whether or not I'm receiving anything from you. Don't read into of... it because it'll drive you nuts. I'm not reading into it. Well, you'll receive a couple coupons for one free back rub and, uh, oh, I don't know. It'll be written in crayon and maybe like I'll cut your grass or something. How's that sound? That'd be all right, but you're going to have to fight Braden for that. He's paying for part of his go-karting practice sessions by mowing the lawns. All right, Braden. We'll arm wrestle over it. Oh, he is super into his muscles right now, Kirk. He'll flex at at a drop (laughs) of a hat. Any opportunity, he's going to show you his muscles. If he's anything like his father, that doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Let's get out of here. We would love reviews, guys. When this podcast ends and the music rolls, if you could just stop what you're doing, pull your car over to the side of the road, slam the brakes on your bike. During an interval rest of two minutes or so, I think you could get it done, right, Bracken? I assume so. And we'll update you how many of you came to the call of action. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on Friday.